Sarah Burns. Did you say Sarah? Sarah. How did you say it? I, maybe it's my accent. I just say Sarah. How should I say it? Because it's spelled Sarah. We would say Sa Sarah. 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 That's fine. You can call me that. Can I call you Sarah? Yeah. This is actually, since I've been in Europe, a lot of people say my name and they're like, Sarah? Wow, I've never heard of that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sarah. It's quite a common name. Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, welcome to Radio Juxtapos. Thank you. So excited to be here. Welcome back to Radio Juxtapose, my name is Doug Gillen, and today I'm joined by American surrealist portrait artist Sarah Burns in conversation live from London. Californian artist Sarah Burns takes the traditional painting techniques of the old masters and reworks them to create a truly unique style of portraiture. Dismorphed faces, accentuated features blur the line between caricature and fine art. Disfigurement becomes a vehicle for us to see each other in a new light. The deep recesses of our personalities exposed in new ways in an exploration of identity and the self. Months in the making, I was more than excited to finally get a chance to sit down with Sarah, but the unfolding worldwide context of our first meeting somewhat overshadowed the mood. More than 700 Israelis are now feared dead after unprecedented attacks by Hamas militants. It represents the biggest loss of life in a single day in Israeli history. In the last hour or so, the United Nations has said that it, ha it has been told by the Israeli military that more than a million Palestinians must leave the northern Gaza Strip within the next 24 hours. It was impossible for this not to change everything. First and foremost, Radio Juxtapose is an art podcast and this remains a conversation about Sarah's art, but it would have been a disservice not to make an attempt to address the circumstances in which we find ourselves. I fear that if you do happen to be listening to this years from the release, much of these sentiments will remain the same. We've made every effort to navigate this tricky topic in the best possible way, but we all know by saying one thing it means you haven't said another, and so the thread starts to unravel. This isn't an interview with a journalist on the ground or a reporter from the front line. This is just an artist talking about their own experience and that's all this should be taken as. More importantly, you'll hear me jump from Sarah to Sarah about 20 times in this interview. Probably not my finest journalistic moment. If you do enjoy this conversation, please let us know in the socials and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Let's get into it right here on Radio Juxtapose in conversation with Sarah Burns. There's a whole bunch of stuff I want to get into with you today. Uh, the majority of it is going to be about your artwork, funnily enough, your artwork and you. But the last couple of days, there's like a whole sort of cloud of context that's surrounding this, you know, the, the world at the moment. And I think because I've seen that you've been quite vocal about it, along with the rest of the world having a really, really strong opinions on this, I, I think it's important because I have a feeling at some point throughout the co this conversation it would have naturally come up so i'm just going to address the elephant in the room uh this is uh the israel hamas war i guess will is is probably gonna even just calling it that is gonna piss some people off yeah get, get in it's crazy um, first question to you is how are you at the moment well i almost booked my flight home just back to australia and cut my sh like trip short just because 
the darkness is so intense for me right now and just because it's like it's just such an emotional thing for me to see happening and then even me like posting being Jewish is getting hate and stuff and so that's just I didn't expect that I, I'm gonna be completely honest with you I think as a Jewish person, should we cut this out? Say, it's going to be controversial. I know. <laughs> so I think that there's an element of that. And I'm not even like religious. I'm. I've always been like kind of opposed to big um, like conservative religions. I'm. I consider myself just spiritual. And tell me a little bit about your background then. What what you're obviously the people will be listening and going hang on that's uh where's this accent so you're from california yeah descendant yeah, yeah. of polish eastern uh immigrant jews yeah Can you maybe talk a little bit about that sort of cultural background that that, that makeup yeah so my grandparents on my dad's side um survived the holocaust and once the war was over they came to California and then that's where they met um, and because there was a, a refuge in San Jose um, and so then my grandpa he was just a, such a fighter and um, very smart and and did what he did to keep going forward and built a really amazing business just like used to just sell radios to to farmers in like the the farm there's a lot of farmland in california and and then built from that the real american dream there yeah really really yeah american dream like that was why they chose america because after after the war like jews went everywhere and we like australia my family who went to france i have family who went to israel california and yeah there wasn't much family so that's those were the three places i imagine then most jews have connections have us have a connection to israel whether they're you know yeah born there but they'll most will have family there right yeah most of us do because there's not a lot of us and so like yeah friends and family like most jews if you talk to them have had like traumas from the holocaust um and israel was a like a, uh the one place you can go where like the government is jewish so you will feel protected but it's more than a religion right yeah it, it is it's more than a religion like it's more of like a culture it's in our dna like if you do like 23 and me stuff it's like Ashkenazi Jew, 3%. It's just like, oh, okay, that's in there. <laughs> like, and it's like, if you're, you have a way likelier chance of getting cancer if you're Ashkenazi Jewish. I'm like, great. Is that a thing? Yeah, apparently, yeah. Do you know why? I don't know. I'm just gonna, I feel like a you're speculate. funny <laughs> reason will be there's so few of us and there's so much pressure to like marry a Jewish person uh, and then maybe like gen genetics. I don't know. But I, that's a bad thing to say, but. Like, that was, that, was that a bad take? <laughs> that's a bad take. That's okay. a bad take. Yeah, we could keep it right in though. To real on that. Yeah. That it's kind of a yeah. must speculation. <laughs> Was that conservative upbringing? Was it reformed? Liberal? Super artist, liberal, right? yeah, super super I'm liberal. From California, so I would I would have expected it to be fairly. She's liberal. an artist, yeah, super liberal family. Like even my grandparents, the we belong to like a reform temple, and so like, yeah, not conservative, not kosher. 
we turn the lights on during Shabbat. Like, yeah, like we don't follow those rules, but we like have a like tradition and it is like nice growing up and like having a spiritual upbringing in that kind of respect, mm -hmm. even though my parents aren't really, they're pretty materialist, but like having a bit of that kind of ethical structure when you're a kid is nice. I think that's what, and I've, I have talked about this just sort of loosely in the, in the, in interviews before, but it's like that kind of our generation, my generation, I, I was 31. Yeah. Our, our generation. Uh, <laughs> so like, uh, you know, I feel like increasingly there's less, there's less of it and less of a connection to religion. And I think what religion does offer is that kind of without going into the all divine deities and the belief of the afterlife and everything, a, a really, really loose, invisible moral framework for you to live your life by. And I think there's similarities, particularly between the big four, way more similarities. They're all the same, of, all religion. Of, of what you do and what you don't do, right? Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, me too. Is that what it kind of offered you you guys then? A kind of, uh, a sort of, just, a, I, and I maybe from, that would be more of a question for your parents. It would be like, was this like a useful way for you to say, here's like a framework of how you want to exist in society these are the things this is the person that you want to be and this is the shit that you shouldn't do yeah like the ten commandments like don't cheat on your wife like don't steal and you know like yeah having yeah but just like and a big thing too which i remember from going to like temple school and stuff is like the uh questioning things like questioning ethics and like having those like discussions about like how to live a good life how to live like of being a good person um, and like if there's something you don't agree with like having talks about it um, and stuff like that like I remember like having discussions about like love like or is it too young to fall in love when you're 10 and like half I was like yes it's we're too young we're just babies and my friend was like no I'm in love right now with my boyfriend and I don't know just little things it's where'd good you, for everyone. Where'd, where'd you say on that now? I don't know I think maybe I was just like I ain't, I don't want no man like I'm 10 yeah I don't know. I think that's a good way to be for a 10 year old. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> we're talking about you know, Jewish identity and everything like that. But I was wondering when I was, I was doing this, because look, it's important that we fucking remember this in our podcast. Has that part of your identity crept into your work in any respect? Is there Jewishness in your work? There's Jewishness in my work. Uh, no, like, I don't think so. <laughs> it's not. Like, sorry, guys. No. <laughs> like, I, but I literally feel like everything about me is in my work and, like, in the way I go about my life is. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's, like, things from being Jewish and, like, having, like, this small community of people that I'm, like, coming from. I'm sure there's, like, certain things. And I was thinking about that like today and stuff like like how has that shaped me in my work like I, I remember a very pivotal point when I decided to give everything to being an artist and it was because I was working in jobs I hated one of the jobs was threatening to sue me to get every, every all the money that I had made from them back it was a small freelance job 
Uh-huh. It was crazy job. And I was like, oh my God. And I just. Is that a thing? No, it was a threat. But I was, she didn't. <laughs> but it was, What was the job? It was like UI UX design, like for just a small startup. The sake of podcast uh, land, what do those letters mean? Oh, oh, user experience, user interface design. I knew what that meant. I was for it was for everyone. Asks uh, asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing like tech jobs, and then I like saved up because I just hated where I was at. So I saved up so I could take a year off. But it's still scary, like having no income. Quit my main job, but then would still accept. UI UX jobs they're just different tech jobs and this particular one just I just did not jive with the the CEO of that startup and then like toward towards the end I just kind of was like I'm not I'm out I'm out and then yeah and then she was just like tried not to pay me for the like last couple weeks and then I to think that I was gonna lose like the only part of the job I wanted the money the money yeah that was the only thing and like i went through like just like so much discomfort like having those jobs and so then it's like okay the if the only thing they can take away from me is uh like is money which they can like oh yeah like they'll they take that away but then i'm left with nothing did you always have that desire to be an artist or was it were you thinking that you would be able to kind of find fulfillment through other avenues did you think graphic design would be able to do that oh yeah (laughs) or or was it like okay it has to be me i'm i have to be an independent artist a creative in my own right whatever medium that takes yeah i think like i always was an artist like ever since a kid and i think like that was a very, a very strong calling very early on. Like I always loved drawing, like the, the love and excitement I had for the visual arts and making things with my hands has always been a huge part of just, yeah, the love in my life and passion and, um, and growth and, um, and being, yeah, creative, but with yeah, Jewish pragmatic parents, like no art school, like you're gonna get a, a like a normal education so I could get a good job. Even even though your mom's an artist. Yeah, I know, I know. It's like there's a yeah. A hypocrisy there. Yeah, both of them they're like proud of me now, of course, um, but like. I just yeah you're lucky you're good yeah you're so lucky you're good at art yeah so it's definitely like one in a million it's better just be safe get the skills to always be able to get a good job and so that was a big pressure even though I I wanted to go to art school and I originally got into school because of that okay but that was a my main show yeah wow that and that must be part of that kind of like that really void in the soul fulfillment when you are out doing startup tech graphic design and design things like that and and you know that not even that that's what you want to do but actually that you're good enough to be able to do that because you got into this yeah and that's definitely like when i had those jobs it was a good feeling of like okay if like anything like i i can get i'll always be able to like get a good job but like i just hated it so much it was like felt like a slave like to someone someone's product that I don't care about that isn't making the world a good place and like 
I'm spending all of my energy on that. And so that was when like the safety for me of a good job went out the window and I'm, I was just like, no, I need to take risks. I don't like, this isn't life. This isn't a, a life for me. This isn't a good life for me. And, um, I was just so just like uncomfortable with the situation I had put, put myself in with that. And yeah, I wanted to be free. What were those steps then? You kind of hinted towards it. You took a year out. When, yeah. and, and, and what did that year look like? What were you doing during this time to sort of get yourself into this place that now you're... Yeah, not that long ago. Yeah, what, what year was this? I was 25 when I like quit everything, dumped my ex at the time. Like I moved back to Santa Cruz. Um, and yeah, so I'm 31 now. I don't know. You do the math. I don't want six years. Okay. Yeah. I got. got. You. There we go. Six years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Campaign. Yeah. Thank. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm an artist, not a mathematician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was such a good year. Like it was just like I just broke everything that I knew down, and I like assessed like the like risks I want. I think is worth it. And yeah. And so I like found a really cheap place in Santa Cruz. Like I had a tiny closet room, like it barely fit my bed and I loved it. It was like 600 a month. Like I had saved up, uh, like how I was spending compared to what I saved. I could probably live a year and a half without having to pick another like job up then I could just focus on, I didn't even know I wanted to follow, pursue just being an artist. Like my plan was, I want to just do what like I absolutely love to do, which is like at the time drawing. And then like once I run out of money, like I'll find a job that I don't have to dedicate any of my precious energy to. And I could just put that lovely energy that I want to the thing I want prior to prioritizing that and then if the money part I can um, my my idea was to just work at like a knitting store like a yarn store like I was like that seems like the chillest like soup I love knitting like I worn out from a library yeah yeah <laughs> library knitting <laughs> like calm no one's got beef with knitters no no, no. yeah I just help people with their projects uh, stock yarn like it's such a cute process of like of taking the fluff from sheep when they get too hot in the summer and then we use it in the winter to keep ourselves warm just like this wholesome little cycle and yeah and then I'd like yeah do my painting or drawing afterwards but it wasn't meant to be for the knitting no yeah so that wasn't my plan yeah that wasn't the outcome <laughs> so what was you what was your like drawing like at this point you know was it similar to what we see today no i think it was very it was very surreal um yeah which is similar it's pretty similar i guess yeah like portraits like, yeah there were there are consistencies super different surreal portraits <laughs> yeah um yeah i think i think like yeah i think that did like that was a consistent thing for me like i knew i loved that i knew i loved that topic and but definitely i feel like i've grown as a person so much like to me when i look at my paintings now and my drawings then um i just can see the amount of growth i've gone through and but a consistent lineage yeah i think like after that 
year of just making the plunge. After that, I met my mentor and then just, yeah, huge consistent, but, but the consistency feels like this for me. We'll get into your mentor in a second. Former guest on Radio Juxtapose, a uh, phenomenal artist. Because not everybody has access to uh, uh, <laughs> Christian Rex Van Midden. Um, so before this, this this meeting, were you what what resources were you using to try and get your technical side uh, developed? Yeah, like nothing. I was just like I didn't. I would watch some things, you know, on like process, but. But it was pretty stripped down. Like I was just, I knew how to look at reference photos and I knew like what would kind of get me there. Like when I'm drawing, getting into the flow state and like uh, it was, yeah. And it still is like, I know how to get into that mindset and of when I'm working of like getting to like a heightened level or, or just like feeling of just like awe when you're working. Tell me about this flow state then, because there's a really interesting concept for us non-artists, us mere mortals. And I want to know what that experience feels like for you. What, how could you describe that? Yeah, hmm, let me take a bit to like focus on being in that mom those moments. Very specifically when I'm able to get into that state, which doesn't happen every day, but when I've felt it, that feeling come on, like I'm just like, whoa, holy shit, what was that? So specifically, like for for me, um, uh, like like a lot of like connections will happen, and I'll I'll start like seeing um, like like oh, I can't even put it into words. It's like. Yeah, I'll see like something in my life that correlates so specifically to like a stroke I'm doing or like a color pattern I'm like working on and, and then like I'll like lose my body and just like feel like it's everything is connected um, like somehow and it's and it's all related to me like working through this portion of a piece and and the portion of the piece, the content that I'm putting all of the colors and values on is like has a reason that correlates with, oops, that correlates with like all the other aspects in my life. That doesn't even make sense to me, but. It, but it's tricky because you're talking about something really, really organic, something from within and trying to verbalize that into words where you don't normally do that because it's a thing that you experience rather than something you discuss. It does make sense as much as it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I think, I'm sure plenty of people will just be picturing, because I'm, if you like me, I was just picturing that kind of beautiful mind Russell Crowe moment, you know, where you just see the kind of like the, the, the all the symbols and numbers going by, you know, like the meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh. but Were you like, let your subconscious take over or are you consciously trying to actively do things or is it something else something kind of i can't control it yeah but like a, um it's definitely like subconscious and but i do think you can do a lot of things in your conscious life to set yourself up for a like a good healthy subconscious to guide you as well to be a good sort of supporting player so what uh you know what are kind of, kind of some of the things that you've experienced or or actively tried to organize so that you're allowing 
the freedom for that space to kind of come through? First, recognizing um, the materials on like this earth that that you personally uh, can uh, like, I guess, uh, like gravitate to. And so for me, it's like drawing and painting, like visual art. Some people it's music, some people it's writing, some people, yeah, poetry, singing, um, whatever it is, knitting. Coming back to knitting every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So guys, I actually don't paint anymore. I'm full time knitting. <laughs> Top five favorite knitters. Yeah. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me. My mom. My grandma. Yeah, my grandma. My yeah. my aunt. My great aunt. Yeah. yeah. And so I think recognizing because I think like we are uh, like so physical and like action-based and so finding that thing that of like doing that can because without if you don't do anything like just do something if you don't do anything you're not letting yourself get to different levels I guess mm -hmm. and so and and trying out different things and like seeing what feels right and feels really good and what f makes you really excited and what feels bigger than yourself. And so, but I do think that you need to have a thing you're doing. For me, this long meditative process that of, of making a painting, it's such like this repetition, like slow, like you're, but it's like, I'm like doing this long like thing, but but through all of that hard work, you, you can achieve like some pretty cool things. How long is the process for you then on, on something like that? I mean, oils are, are just slow, right? Yeah, super slow. And especially because they take so long to dry. And so you can all work on something and then I have to let it dry for a few days before I can come back to it. Um, and I'll work on multiple paintings at the same time, just so um, like I always have something that's dry for me to work on. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I'll take a few, four months to finish like a, f a good amount of work, maybe like seven paintings. Wow. I think, yeah, I'm getting faster, but. But you can only go as fast as they always await you. Yeah, yeah. Are you always working then from, and we'll get back to this technical development, especially with oils. Um, are you working from a sketch and saying, this is what I'm making or how much of it with this, you know, slow drying process and the idea that something could take you, you know, days, weeks, months to, to create, how much freedom does that give you to be able to change where you're going? Do you still have that freedom with, with, with oils? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Yeah. So I plan everything before I work, before I start the painting. Um, and I, I used to do sketches, but but I felt like it wasn't as necessary. And then I, once I'd finished the sketch, I'd want to do a different piece. There's areas where I have freedom and areas where I don't. So like the structure of the whole piece um, is something I have to plan. And then on that stage of it, so like the underpainting, I'll have freedom to mess with that. But once that's set, it's set. And if I want to change something, I can't like that's it I'm not gonna be like oh actually I want different expression unless I want to cover it up but then you lose like a, like the glow you lose a lot of things that I I need to make the paintings like uh technically amazing and so 
yeah but there's certain things like um like all save for later all, a lot of the details i don't figure out until last so like poor do i want pores do i want veins here there like nah maybe not for this one or maybe just right here um colors i'll i'll try and figure out my colors first but a lot of the time i'll wait allow yourself just enough room to be able to maneuver those yeah so i guess it is yeah I'll, I'll, and i try not to be too i used to be too like oh like uh since i have to you almost have to plan where the freedom will be and then i'm like well, what if i don't know but now it's just like well we'll see like i'm gonna put this shadow here and if it's in the wrong spot i'll just move the thing that i like the object because that's where i can move something figuring it like being okay with where i allow myself freedom like i chose it i gotta stick with it yeah that's where i will like make on the spot decisions first of all how did the relationship with uh your mentor come together and how did that impact your your process and your practice overall christian rex van Menden, incredible oil painter old master technique just amazing process amazing person amazing artist great mentor <laughs> great that was a good pitch <laughs> okay so, so how did he impact you and what was that kind of what how did how did that relationship come together and and, and what, what how did it yeah change the trajectory yeah santa cruz it's a small town um and my mom at the time had a studio right next to him. And so that's how I found out, I heard of him because she was like, this is a really, really good artist next. So you, were, you weren't aware before? No, I didn't know anything about the art world. Yeah, at all. I didn't know, yeah, galleries, like it just was such an off limits or like unrealistic thing for. And this is after you've quit your job and when you're going, so so you've quit your job, you, you've decided you're going to be an artist, but you're still not really interested in the art no, world. No. Love that. Uh -uh, <laughs> I was just like, I just want to draw like, and I was just like, I just need to trust something good will happen. So you guys are studio buddies. You've started, and, and, and what were some of the kind of key pieces of advice? How did that mentorship start to look for you? The first time meeting him, I'm, yeah, I think, my mom messaged him was like hey my my daughter yeah she's <laughs> uh she's like uh we're a, like an artist as well and uh and she would love to see your studio and um yeah and so like i walk in and i'm just like what the fuck like oh my god like he does this every day like just seeing the slow process i i've always seen old master paintings like in museums and stuff but to see Did someone doing it were you aware of old masters and that kind of that whole not world in at this modern point? day i was aware of them but only as like a untouchable thing that people did a really long time ago so the idea of like someone can be doing this and now like so and then not only that like understanding light to to morph it into something that looks so real but it's not so it's like all those old masters but then to twist it into something that is doesn't exist like to understand light vi our visual world so well like create a whole new world that looks feels looks so real yeah and so it started off with babysitting his kids so i can just learn some painting like how do i get started on just like figuring out this whole idea of light <laughs> and what were you doing then to figure out this whole world of light how did that 
you know, sort of like look in a really, you know, sort of tangible way? It starts off first with like, well, I remember he, I brought like drawings with me. And so, um, yeah, and just like the first things he was critiquing were just like things about the light. Do you thought about light at all when you were doing your drawings? Not in the sense like, was there a sun? Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think about that. Drawings, was there a sun there anywhere? Sun? Would it be? Yeah, no. I so I wouldn't think of light as like um, a way for me. I would just look at the pictures and and the light. And I always knew, like I remember drawing as a kid and knowing that when I look at something, I'm only looking at values. I'm not looking at a nose. I'm looking at where the shadow and the lights are and it's not a nose it's just cult, it's just values and so like breaking things down in my head like that it was something that i thought was like the coolest thing ever and then i would just when i draw i would just think of that and then i can create something that looks very real and they were surreal but i just like tweak things but to kind of take an image and then apply my own knowledge of light, like then he's the one who gave me that idea of like, okay, now I can think about where is the sun when I'm painting this? Before it was just looking at the image and breaking down the image. Now it's about breaking down that image, but also of like improving the image even further of like thinking about that sun, like right now in the sky, shining on the face in my painting and and then and then improving it changing it from that idea i'm just kind of picturing you walking into this studio seeing fucking of all of all people you know rex i, know, I don't even know who he was I'm just so fucking good suddenly seeing the world of the old masters being opened up to you in a different way was there any of those paintings or artists that particularly stood out for you and do you remember just like looking at a Rubin or a Rembrandt and then suddenly thinking like fuck how the, how did they do this or like was there was there yeah was there a sort of particular moment for you all of those artists were all of a sudden I'd be able to bre break down what they're doing a lot a lot easier and just blo it, that would blow my mind and like seeing like identifying uh, processes that I'm familiar with now. Yeah, and a few people like Frederick Solacraw, which I know I'm saying his name wrong, but- um, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna correct you on it. <laughs> I'm not the guy for that. Solacraw, I don't know, <laughs> French, French guy. Uh, not, not being like, how did he do that? But, and then breaking it down and trying it my way, like how would I apply my skills to it and like, um, like building upon the skills I know and then adding new, like ex trying things, experimenting to see if I can achieve it, like in this way, I don't, and then, and then even looking back at the work, the painting I did and the painting he did and be like, oh, actually like, I like how I did it better. Uh, my last show in Australia, it was like the backgrounds were all inspired by him. Uh, Frederick Sulekerhle. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just because I love that like silk, silk wallpaper and like, yeah, yeah, definitely. They always inspire me. Um, how much of your work now then follows traditional old master techniques and how much of it is kind of more experimental and, and, and has broken away from that? And can you maybe describe which components of that 
you know, process would be traditional and which ones would be more your sort of take on things? Hmm, yeah, I think the technical process is very, very traditional, um, but it's like me interpreting it in my way. And so they've done like the saying of like, so-and-so walked so that so-and-so can run. It's like, I, I believe that with everything we're doing as hu like humans, like you study the people who you think are the best and then you can figure out how they did things and then you can build on that. Mm -hmm. It's a cra crazy. And so I think those techniques and stuff, like it's rooted in that. And then where I see like my Sarah Burns coming through is um, like in in instances of like, oh, I think I did that. I like the way I did that better. Uh, and then also the biggest thing is the concepts, like my concepts and like my visions, my ideas. Those are so me and like not like certain aspects I take from them, like um, like um, the way they will put like light in the background on a shadow side and like the, like this and that. But like I morph the faces. I like I try and like bring out specific emotions multiple emotions in one face and like um i like create like a like i think i was saying earlier like a, this wholesome like uh like feeling but in a very weird also dark way me doing those concepts like having such a more unique vision of what role then does the kind of the disfigurement play for you mm. so i feel like um, well, I think as an artist, like you're you're creating something so that people will see things differently. For me, like morphing things a bit, you can recognize a person in a face and emotions. But for me, I feel like it's deep. It's like more it's deeper when I morph them. This life is like I don't think it's linear. I think it's just like this mash of experiences and we're caught in this like huge, like changing every day. Like what I did yesterday is gonna change that outcome of my life. Like every day, every moment is like, you're constantly changing. Things happen to you, you do something. Putting all this change and movement and like emotion, like complex emotions into like, the the like window of ourselves which i feel like is like our face is the window of our soul like expressing how we're feeling do you ever and this is maybe loaded do you ever feel like you're playing the role of god when you're doing that of course <laughs> genuinely because you're you're taking this human form this kind of like this thing this really universally familiar thing and you're fucking with it so much you know kind of like in a you know, it's it, there's there's an element in there of kind of Frankenstein, you know, Dr. Frankenstein in his lab kind of doing this point, taking on the role of God. And I wonder if if you ever do get that sense, sort of sense as you're doing this. That feeling, well, first like creation, like creating, that's a godly. You're, you're taking things that we have and like ideas that we have, pro going, putting it through your processes and, of like how you view things and then and then creating something new from that and the, in the beginning too like that was what like really hooked me was that like the the first like 
the first paintings I did of really like my my morphing of the face was taking two people that I knew and um, putting their faces together to create a whole new person with emotions from two people I know um, until it won. And so I did feel like I was creating a person and, and then people would react to that. It, how would they react? What were the, what were the reactions, especially in those sort of earlier stages where maybe they weren't as familiar with your work as I, I assume all your friends are really they, they know your work and they know that you you're gonna fuck them up if you yeah. you do it in a really in a loving and a, a caring way I assume. But in those early stages, what were those reactions like? Yeah, well, I definitely feel like the the people who I would paint are were close to me, like friends, family, and stuff, and and so. Yeah, there's the output of like this weird, crazy painting, but it was also like me and they knew me and they knew I was a freak. No, <laughs> no, they, but they like I saw my growth. Yeah. And just like watching like this talent I have and and putting it into this really bizarre thing that they're in and like seeing themselves in like a, a weird like elements of themselves and this this something else yeah it was all support definitely when you are for lack of a better phrase fucking up someone close to you <laughs> yeah. are you do is there a sort of a symbolism between how you start to morph them and disfigure them like do you are you thinking or do you see it more like a kind of uh, Trafalgar Square caricature drawing where it's like, hey, that guy's got big ears. Let's give him really big ears. Yeah. Is there something more to it than that? Or is it just purely like a kind of like, okay, cool. This is an aesthetic choice. No, I think it is deeper because I mainly am looking at emotions and and that's a bit that's in feelings and like and the feelings we get from the like an expression and or impression that they're making how do you start to build that environment beyond the portrait i think like it, it'll begin if when i want to put a like a surrounding behind my figures yeah, I'll think about like a theme that I'm excited about. And so like for uh, the current body of work, it will stem in just me being like, I love this, like Rossetti and like uh, like the romanticizing nature and stuff like that. And so I'll, I'll begin with, and like what, and it, because it, it touches me really deeply. And I think a lot of the time I don't know why yet. And I like that. Like if like I won't try to find a reason why before I start working, but I'll trust that there's a reason that I feel so deeply about this. Um, like of like oh, adding water, adding a pond. Like uh, like there's a bit of a water theme in my next pieces and. And like, I don't really know why, but then, and even to the last, like, even to the details, I'll like, uh, almost like a little like knowing of like painting an eye and it's like, no, flip it upside down. It's like, oh no, this is wrong. This is wrong. You got to flip it upside down. I'm like, why? Like, I don't know. And then, but I'll do it. And then, and then I'll do it when I'm doing it. It's like, no, this is right. Like this is, I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, and then like I'll months later will realize like a reason behind it for me spoiler alert for the next pieces it's like 
this idea and like with water and like the like eyes being flipped is like this idea of like us like breaking down and dissolving and then coming back together and then like dissolving and I didn't realize that until afterwards but the images of nature of water of like things being flipped upside down is like really like that's why your work is really informed and influenced by your world yeah I think like creating my world and and as an artist it's like we're pretty lonely people (laughs) because like we just uh work alone all day like every day and like most of the time I work on the weekends and like I'll have to like really be strict about taking a day off and stuff and like I just I want to I just want to be doing that work like when I'm doing if I'm leaving my studio or the house it's almost like is this worth being away from all my hobbies like right now like I don't know you just get like antsy and I think a lot of artists struggle with that you don't have a 401 you don't have a safety net you don't you're not sitting there with with like ah it's okay I've got my pension I'm good I'm gonna clock in at nine on Monday and then I'm done you're like if I'm not working this is this this is me and you talk about your personal growth it's like that's why you get that feeling when you're not doing it right yeah like i don't have health care <laughs> yeah there's no it's like i do it because of like that's uh, that's where i feel so free and explorative and like i'm the one making decisions about how i want to perceive the world and what i want to put into it and how I want to structure my day. I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to have someone tell me what time to be somewhere. Like, <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> you know, now that you are like in a pretty different place to where you would have been six years ago, um, have you started to become a bit more to tighten up that practice a little bit, to tighten up that routine and to say, hey, I have to be disciplined here. And uh, or are you just naturally quite a disciplined person or do you have to find yourself like, okay, cool, I need to rein this in. No, I think I've always been very disciplined um, with like my my work and drive. And like even before painting, like I feel like I've always had like this like probably unhealthy uh, like uh, obsession of just like, I gotta keep building it. Like I like would jump from job to job, but, like always jumping like higher and higher. Um, and, and like, if I don't like a, li- a situation I'm in, even for a little bit, I, I get this huge anxiety of like, I gotta get out of the situation. This is so bad for me. Like I gotta like figure something out and like this, like, um, yeah. And, and so that, I think that adds to my discipline of like, whereas when I'm like working and painting, it's like, oh, calm, calm. As this is no you know, your bread and butter, your job, are you, are you, are you able to keep it as quite a meditative place without the pressures of it being like, okay, cool. This is the job. I need to do this show. I need to get this work done. Are you still able to keep it as a, as a place that is a sort of, you know, a, a, a mentally safe space? Yeah, I think so. Like that is a good, great question because there are like high pressure times of like, oh my God, I need to finish this, like blah, blah, blah. Like I only have this amount of time. Um, 
but like I would be doing that anyways. <laughs> like I would, <laughs> yeah. I love being worried. <laughs> like, um, and so it's not really like I, and so like I have that. And so then I will like, when I get, when it gets too much and I'm like where it seeps into um, that like sacred space of creating, um, then it's time to like sit down and make a priority list on how to like execute everything um on time and then so i have little tricks of like if it starts getting in the way of like my my time creating um then i'll like sit down like write every day out what needs to be done when like okay that means like all of the grisailles need to be done by in two weeks um and then that and then i'm able to go back the next day and then sink into the flow and stuff like that like i still i think even when I'm stressed out, like those are, I'm good at like getting into that pocket of time of like, oh, yeah. yeah. And and you're based out of, cause I mean, we're talking quite largely about your California experience, but you're based in Australia at the moment. Is that kind of a similar environment? I mean, surfing uh, is the word that jumps out, but what's the reality of that? Where in Australia are you? Yeah, so right now I live in Sydney, Australia. Um, yeah, and I moved there for love. <laughs> like my partner, he lives there, and it's a fucking big move. <laughs> it's a big. It's 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 a little far from That's California. It's like exactly the opposite side of the world yeah, from I, California. I, I didn't go out with a girl because she lived in Zone Three in London. I was like, nah, I, this isn't gonna work. It's too much for me. I went, uh, so. To move to Australia feels like give it a try. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and then and also like we were separated during COVID, so it's like 20 months of FaceTime. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why most people are like okay, but for us it wasn't like we just did it. Yeah, and I and I think it was like ready to have a change because like my hometown is Santa Cruz and I have never lived in a city as an artist and uh, yeah and I was kind of ready for like a new place and Australia is too far <laughs> categorically it is too far there's not a like there's not like a question there's not an opening is too far from everything so I'm and I like and I was worried about that um but I was like well I'm just gonna go and like see and then i've been there for a year and uh we're gonna move to europe now <laughs> okay oh we're in europe paris or england for, or london is that what we're doing here we're in by the way yeah we're in london london <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is this is maybe loaded it which state do you prefer to make art in or how does each state affect the art that you're making whether you're in love and living together in a harmonious place or in the pits of depression and alone? Yeah, and alone in California. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, like instinctively when you started asking that question immediately, I was like, um, I feel like I get into such a, my own world. It doesn't really affect anything. I mean, it, like it, it, it does affect my mood, like, and which I'm sure affects my work. Um, but I think like my concepts and stuff, and I feel like I am in such like my own world bubble. Um, uh, like it, 
my location has i noticed i thought it would but it di really didn't <laughs> like yeah. make a huge impact on the work i'm doing do you think in terms of shows do you think yeah. is that is that how you start to build it do you think okay cool i'm gonna start this start with that idea of what that show that concept might be and then start building from there or how does that look for you yeah yeah actually that's that's true I'll like i'll have a show or like start creating a body of work that i want shown together and um and then i do i'll start i will like remember um things that like really stuck out to me that year like i'm collecting concepts as i'm finishing up my last show for the next show and so um, yeah, and so that I think it's just like I'm in already this like crazy cycle, and so of like uh, thinking about what I'm gonna be working on next year while I'm working on the pieces now, and like everything is like yeah, not linear at all for me. Do you try to keep those things separate? Like if you're working on this concept, you don't want it to feed into this work too much, or um, uh, it's okay. I think they do all overlap. Like mm -hmm. I feel like I have a consistent concept, which is like kind of growing my uh, portrait. Uh, morphing and like emotion morphing and stuff like that and building on that but then like adding concepts to that on what I'm thinking about that year. Did it feel weird you you, you know we just really briefly mentioned and I was thinking about how I actually one of the I think I first started seeing your work round about or maybe before lockdown and I know that the, you featured in the art in uncertain times on juxtapose and i was wondering because that was like a time where your trajectory started going through the roof and i was wondering if it was weird having you know you had the show at richard heller and you know these are like and and your first international show in rome around that time i think it was yeah. and i was wondering if it felt weird kind of having you know quote unquote blowing up as everyone else is no longer allowed to go out. I think it would have felt weird regardless anyways, because I have, like, it's all new to me um, and like the art world is and like um, me starting to get recognized a lot. It, I think it would have felt weird even if people were staying inside any, or going out and like life is normal. Yeah, and so for me, and, and also with my practice, it's so isolating anyway. So I was like, there's like a meme somewhere where, where it was just like, when you realize your daily routine is called like a, a quarantine. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, my life really didn't change. Like, uh. So what does the future look like for you then? Uh, obviously, can't predict it, but uh, what do you have confirmed coming up? Yeah, so I have a show coming up in Milan with Casino Projects, and um, yeah, I'm excited for that. That'll be November or December. We haven't chosen a date yet. Um, and then I'll be having a show in London in March. Um, Matt Carey Williams. Okay. Yeah, so he is, this will be his first independent show. Yeah, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Where, where's that space? We don't know yet. I think he, he said he confirmed it, but we don't, we don't know. I, the artists don't know yet. We've got a scoop right now. Exclusive. Uh, so we're going to be seeing a little bit more of you around London then. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think we might, 
uh, Matt and I, we might do a little solo as well in June. Um, yeah, so we, we were talking about that too, which is cool. Yeah, more me in London. Oh, yeah. Sarah. I still don't know. You say Sarah. I, just don't I say, say Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I say Sarah. Yeah, but I don't know if that's the yeah, accent that's thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was Sarah Burns in conversation here on Radio Juxtapose. If you did enjoy that, make sure you give us a follow so you can keep in touch with all the future episodes. And if you haven't already, why not dig into some of the past ones? (laughs) We'll be back with you real soon. Till then, take care of yourselves and each other.